Hi guys, this is David Negrin, host of the Script Podcast and executive director of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. I'm excited to announce that we've created a Patreon campaign for the script. Patreon is like a Kickstarter, but it allows you to give ongoing pledges every month and receive ongoing rewards. Of course, the Script Podcast will continue to be free, but we're just asking for a little help. So please, check out all our rewards, join our inner circle. Become a patron of The Script Podcast at patreon.com slash the script. The man who lives in here gets arrested a lot. These are the rooms we're not supposed to go in. But let's go anyway. Could you give us some change, please? The doctor said we have asthma and we gotta eat ice cream yeah. right away. Here you go. New job? Yeah. If you're working, who's looking after money? You're not my father. I don't want to be your you father. You can't treat me like this. You don't think everybody knows what's up, Haley? Everybody. She's about to cry. I can always tell when adults are about to cry. Why is my mom yelling? We're just talking. We gotta figure something out. podcast where we believe story moves pages story moves product story moves people uh tonight we're doing the florida project um with me tonight uh alka kushalani hi david good to see you you too um we were originally going to do justice league and then we decided to do an indie drama because thank you we don't do that enough thanks so much yeah and uh we're not just all about the the hits you know getting downloads you know we're about uh we want to be g- a great film podcast too yeah, so absolutely yeah um so it's interesting that this one came up there was a couple of options um but the florida project is uh, Sean Baker's second movie. Uh, Sean Baker, you may know from Tangerine um, in 2015. Yes, which was terrific. Another terrific, uh, strong drama. Um, I think there's, I I made a lot of notes while I was watching The Florida Project that reminded me of Tangerine. They're both, uh, they're they're both such great, uh, stories about relationships. Actually, yeah. I think relationships about women, particularly. Yeah, he. This is, um, you know, one of the great advocates for the underclass, right? This is um, both of these films, I think, are uh, about people in the margins. Hmm. And I will go further, and I'll say that um, these films are like Tangerine is. Uh, a film that's like neorealistic uh, view of transgender people, and this—that's like the Obama version. That's like the Obama strain of Sean Baker filmmaking. Where in what way? Obama? It's, how? It's it's people of color. It's people on the margins. In this, you know, um, 
in this strange little world that is kind of, kind of gaining a voice, right? And here, this is the Trump version. Oh, wow. Which oh, is way to, way to politicize things right away. Trump's America, where we have a white underclass that's being explored, that's being kind of, you know, marginalized and is being given a voice. That's tremendous. I, I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, I'm, I think, yeah, I think it, both, both uh, marginalized class groups of, of people are what brought on these last two elections, if you were going to talk about it politically. Yes. But I want to talk a lot more about the cinema and the <laughs> politics of it. Um, I think... Uh, so just quickly, uh, tonight we're going to do uh, five segments, the script instant review, the genre analysis, a structure analysis, some screenwriting craft problems, and then how it should have ended if you would have changed the ending. Uh, although this was pretty solid, um, pretty yeah, well done. Yeah, I don't know done. if we're going to disagree like we sometimes do, right? I, yeah, I think... This is going to be like a yeah podcast. I think this <laughs> film, there will be a lot of agreement on. Um, it beautifully done. In fact, I, 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 you know, I sat down after this and I was like, well, I gotta, we got to figure out some ways to improve it or I have to think, try to find ways to fix it. But it was so well done and beautifully shot and everything. Um, regardless of budget, I mean, I wanted to start out um, with, as I always do, just talk about the artists. Uh, Sean Baker is the writer director. Right. Uh, he did Tangerine before that. He did a film called Starlet. Um, Right. This is like an overnight success who's yes. been working for a long time. This mm -hmm. is like your classic overnight success yeah. who has been slogging away yeah. for years upon years and is now breaking through. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the budget for Starlet was like $88,000. The budget for Tangerine was $100,000 and it made like 700000 which is why it's a, you know, it gets that uh, 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 that festival buzz. Um, and, and shot entirely on the iPhone 5S. That's right. I'm sure, I think they did some post-production, you know, as, as you do. And uh, you but would it never looks great. No, and you would never know. And it feels, it feels like early Tan Danny Boyle, doesn't it? it do oh, I like that. I you like know? that uh, comparison. Tangerine was like... Um, it, there was ver some verite stuff there, and there was. I think we we use that in our final sequence in the Florida project, because I think I don't think he paid to go to to Disneyland. No, I that was what wasn't there a film that was shot entirely? That I never saw this film, so I shouldn't even bring it up. But what was that? Edge of Tomorrow? Not Edge of Tomorrow. It was something. What tomorrow. are you talking about? There was a film that was shot, not his George film. Clooney. What was it? George no. No. Where was that it? Was what, what do you finish else. your sentence? It was a film called Some Search for Tomorrow. Something for Tomorrow was shot in black and white, uh, guerrilla style, in Disney World. It was it was an, an, another indie. It was not George Clooney. But okay. No, Search for Clooney Tomorrow. tomorrow. No. Something. I Escape from Tomorrow. Escape well, from Tomorrow. Okay. It's something that like was? that. Okay. Something like that. But I think that's the way you shoot at Disney. I think you shoot at Disney. Like they had done, they do beautiful 35 mm throughout, and then they go back to the iPhone or something. Um, Escape, oh, from, Escape tomorrow. from Tomorrow. See, I knew it was something 2013 like that. indie dark fantasy psychological horror. Oh, look at you, yeah, Randy Moore. I mean, I didn't see it. So, but 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 I was I was I was bringing it up because um, the there the the final image for 
we're jumping ahead, but the final image for a Florida project is this escape to Disneyland, right? Wow. And, and I thought it was shot in a very similar uh, verite style as all of Tangerine was shot. Yes, I think, but and Tangerine I was I far more dynamic. I think here's the thing about Tangerine. Tangerine mm -hmm. was like, it moved, the camera swoops in and out, and it does, especially in the beginning. And then this is like so disciplined. I mean, it's very, these are both beautiful films in very different ways, but this is like truly disciplined filmmaking. This is, you know, like real film. The colors are beautiful. Like it's, it's, it's a very different style. I mean, you can, that, the filmmaking is less like you can, I, I feel like you can, you can't really point at the filmmaker as, you know, making the same style film. I think narratively, you can say, this is the same filmmaker. I don't think it's... it's oh, I, I, I'll agree. Yeah, yeah. Narratively, very similar filmmaker. But he had, he had some uh, abilities to shoot uh, a more cinematic film now. Yeah. Obviously, with he, this... Yeah, um, he got some money. Yeah, he got money. The budget for the Florida project was $2 million. It's made 4.4 so far at the box right. office. So you're doing all right in the indie, yeah. indie drama s uh, schedule. I mean, you could have come up with a better title. I, I, I would. What do you think it means? When we're here talking about it. I don't know what it, I don't know what the Florida project means. It sounds means. like a working title to me. I was I, you know, I have no idea why it was called the Florida project. I would think this would be somebody who could come up with a better title. Else. I think that's my biggest I, gripe. I, maybe. I, oh, maybe, maybe. We'll <laughs> your only down. gripe. Um, I, but I made I made a note of everything because I, I have some family in Florida. I'm not from Florida. I'm from New York, but. I made a note anytime I felt something that was particularly Florida, Floridian um, throughout. So, because it, it did have a feel of, of the place. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I'll, maybe I'll bring up some of that later. But let's do quickly one up, one down. What did you, what did you love about the film? What was your biggest up? And your, we have time. We can do two if you've got that many. I think... Okay, not only does this film capture this moment that is the end of childhood, which I think um, it captures so beautifully, like narratively, but it also, also, like I was saying, captures this moment in time. You know, this is a film of its time. And this moment where we are talking about the forgotten white underclass, it, this is a very, very intimate view of that group and I think it's it's very beautiful it's not even you know there are people who might say he's a compassionate filmmaker but I think it's beyond that it's it's so intimate it's so you know it's so real that I think that is it's uh, real real accomplishment I, I, I like I like intimacy as like a watchword for this film because it um, you know, to me, if you're doing an independent film, if you're doing an indie drama, um, as we all are, we're all we've all written some. We're all trying to sell them. How do you sell them, right? Um, you you have to have the relationships have to be so powerfully uh, uh, portrayed and ex and escalated throughout the story. Um, I think you need a little more than just relationships. Uh, you also need a great subculture that you're exploring that America hasn't seen yet. That's part of making a, 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 a high quality drama 
feature film these days. Um, you need a, a subculture. You need a, a group of people who, like you said, it's timely that we want to talk about, that we want to explore. Um, and so I think this this film did both of those. And I think you need for, this is this is the genre discussion I that we, I meant to get into later. But you know, indie drama needs great relationships. It needs an interesting subculture, and it also needs like a great ending, a great solid ending. Um, bringing up uh, Short Term 12 is another great indie drama that I loved that's about foster kids um, and it has these amazing relationships between the, the, the foster um, uh, counselors and the kids as well as the romantic one between the two counselors and then it has this so it has this great subculture has these great relationships and then it has a great third act right where you're like well this is a drama what could possibly go be how can I possibly be surprised um, so I think to me, the Florida Project was a little bit somewhere between Short Term 12 and American Honey. Did you see American Honey? I didn't. Okay, so American Honey is a, is a is about sort of a, that different age group of the the lost, like like uh, like 15 to to 23 year old uh, white poor culture. Um, I think it was it a lot of uh, I think it took place in in Texas a bit, um, but. I appreciate the intimacy thing because uh, the relationships I think are, are everything in a drama like this. What what else do you have? Well, I think, you know, going deeper, it's also like you're talking about place being so um, and being a character. Um, and I think it's like even the economy, you know, the surrounding economy is such a character. You always have this like pressing need for money. Right. Yeah. There's like this urgent. Need. Oh, it's so well done. You're, you're starting to count the dollars. I was counting the dollars yes. when they go to that hotel. That's forty eight dollars. And that's instead of thirty eight or forty five, forty five instead of thirty eight. OK. And that was a huge deal. It was yeah. it was forty five dollars a night instead of thirty eight dollars a night. And she's flipping out about that. Uh, you start counting dollars yeah. with even, them. Yeah. It's like and even the like storefronts. They're grotesque. Yeah. They're huge. And Disneyland itself, we're in the shadow of the great city here, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. which is th like this artificial, you know, absolutely commercial. And it's a um, castle. Yeah. yeah. Castle. And, and it's great. I think a great filmmaking choice not to show it until the end. It's talked about as yeah. this place that some of the tourists and are you going feel to. It, right. You yeah. feel it. There's this business with the bands. The bands. You know, there's this couple, that, this honeymooning couple who kind of comes in because they're from Brazil because they're crazy about Disney World in Brazil. Yeah. They're going to honeymoon in Disney World. Yeah. And and it's a very interesting take on the economy around this group. I think that's there. There's so many layers and nuances to this really kind of simple narrative. But but our film our film complex. doesn't take us to Disney World. It let it takes us to Orange World and Wizards Gift Shop <laughs> and the Twisty Treat, right? Yeah. And um, yeah. they they walk around. Like Tangerine happened in Donut Time. Yes, <laughs> right? thank you. I was, I love that the, the third act of that movie is in a donut shop, yeah. and um, there's a big altercation. Uh, in at the end of uh, of, of the Flor Florida project, um, that's in uh, the the diner, right? 
she she takes um, Haley takes Mooney to the diner to confront her friend. Um, is it Ashley? Yeah, Ashley. And they make a scene there with the food. And by ordering so much and having a burping contest, she's yeah. like using Mooney against Ashley, even though she doesn't doesn't know what, why their their friendship has gone the way it has. But it's like making the diner a place of conflict, making the donut shop a place of conflict. Yeah. That's that's great independent filmmaking, but it also comes organically out of these the cultures that right. are being portrayed and the narrative. And it's absolutely true to what we're seeing here. And you never see the seams. That's the other part of this is that, you know, we were talking about our breakdown, which we'll get to, but like you never see the seams of, okay, this has got to be the break into two. This has got to be, sure. you know, it just kind of sneaks up on you and you, you're, you're just processing these little vignettes in a way, you know, these moments, these intimate moments yeah. that kind of are, you're you know you're being propelled towards some inevitable end. Yeah, right? I think it's but a. But you're not you're not ahead of him. That's no. N never. No, I think it's a tribute to like the kind of verite filmmaking we've seen, like Robert Altman stuff, um, where it's a group of people that you get to know and you're following them on the journey. I walked out and I was just like, who's the protagonist? You know, I was like, who's the protagonist? You know, because clearly Mooney is this central figure and we do end up seeing the film through Mooney's eyes but Haley is such a huge presence and you know Bobby's not the protagonist but he's also this this main character he's a main character and we we see some of his own plights that have nothing to do with Haley and Mooney so uh it's really a little bit like a mini ensemble right you know? right do you have it down oh my goodness I I'm I'm digging here, okay? <laughs> but um, if we're talking screenwriting, yeah. there's this um, weird hanging subplot with the guy who's helping Bobby. Do you remember him? Now, this is a guy, we were talking about Get Out the earlier. The tall black man? No, the, the white guy who's helping him move the mattress. He's helping him move oh. the ice maker. Oh, my maker. goodness. Oh, I thought that was and his was son. Like, I don't know who that was. You're right. That was like I a, a no hanging C or yeah, D plot. I have no idea who that was, but I think it was like at one point they had more story for Bobby. Uh, I think you're right. And th these were like the loose threads that they left. And, and in the, a way, and, and the discipline I, and I'm digging because it's like I didn't really mind. You know, I was like, oh, you know, Bobby has a life. Yeah, I think they were going for that him being Bobby's estranged son. He Bobby has one line to him that said, "Don't tell her I apologize." Like uh like like he had told their mom right. that you know some old argument uh which was nice. I, I just think the the fact that Bobby has a lot going on all the time right. is really important to his character. Right. And uh that there's that great moment when the when the power goes out and everybody's super pissed at him and he puts it on and then he gets all these congratulations and yeah. somebody says i love you and he's like i love you too like right? like he's a rock star like a rock star would tell i love you new york you yeah, know like yeah i give you light yeah i give you light yeah 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 no i think that uh the other thing is you know like 
this idea of the neglected kid, the unfit mother. I mean, maybe we've seen that before, but I think we haven't seen this neglected kid. That's I don't right. think we've seen this, uh, you That's know, right. unfit mother. I mean, it, we have maybe seen this, but in this context, I think the context is so strong. And I think um, the storytelling is so strong that I feel like I'm, I'm picking at yeah. straws here. Yeah, I thought um, the... It's, it, it is an easy way to create uh, tension and jeopardy by using children characters, right? Because children, have there's a lot more stakes. There's a lot more yeah. danger, right? Yeah. And um, I don't think that uh, Sean Baker took any cheap shots with that. Because yeah. there's, there's really cheap... I mean, I like Inuritu's films, but in, in Babel, he has a whole subplot where there's just like two lost children in the desert and they're gonna die and the tension is like instantly there yeah. and you know Inuit is trying to get you and he like is obviously using it as a mechanism uh to to raise your heart rate because you're worried about these children and they're uh, and they're lost and they're the housekeeper abandons them so i don't think he took any cheap shots like that i kept waiting for mooney to be in more physical danger like alligators coming out of the tall well grass. they mentioned the alligators yeah every time they went into the grass i was like oh you know here it comes and i think that was helpful because <laughs> that creates it and and i think had we even had maybe we'd seen a tail at some point it might have been interesting no i loved it because it was just it oh, was just the danger of being alone these wandering children yeah. and it's you know there's something about that whole scenario and the fact that they are so young. These kids so are like uh, five uh, and so six young. years old. And 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 Mooney is is so precocious. She has all the best lines yeah. in the film. And running through parking lots. I mean, there's danger around every corner. There is you're right. And you're your mom. Yeah. Right. I so am. did you feel like I wanted to protect? the kid <laughs> like you wanted to put some boundaries in when there weren't any because there's clearly no boundaries you know it did stress me out but not as like i, I did not view this I, I rarely view things like oh i'm a mom and i have this okay, particular okay. lens that i'm always looking uh -huh. at things I, I kind of i kind of get carried away like everybody else right i mean sure. th this i didn't mean to put you in a box but the, i liked the mom speaking of the moms though i liked Haley. yeah a lot more as we went along you see the impossibility yeah. of her situation and you see how ill-equipped she is she's like 20 years old or something you know yeah and but she and there's a lot of and there's great, so much love in her there is a lot of moments where she you see her taking care of mooney yes uh, she puts mooney on her back at one point when mooney's tired it, yeah she's she's sort of not great she's she's ill-equipped Yes. But she is ha she's having dance parties with them. When she decides to take her photos for prostitution, she includes her daughters in, in yeah. it, right? She's like, oh, we're going to yeah. do bathing suit selfies. Yeah. You know, she includes her, and, she, and, and Mooney loves it, right? And she there's so much love and attachment between those two that's also kind of unconventional. They're almost like peers, mm -hmm. this, like, five-, six-year-old girl and her 20-year-old mother, that you're – I mean, I just – I was so, you know, I was very torn about this person, this character, which is great storytelling. You know, you mm. you should never figure somebody out. Like, she wasn't like Precious's mom, right? Precious's mom is like, you well, know. She's an antagonist. She's like, get a, Precious the, out. Yeah. Okay. Get her out of there. But 
Mooney's mom, it's like, ah, uh, you know, it, when it when they do try to get her out Thank of there. Thank you. That's a, that's you, a, so important. It's such a mixed bag, right? You're like, but does she really belong away from this person? And, and you kind of understand that the two of them together are right, and then apart, it's going to be an absolute show, you know? You When it comes to the finale, when they decide to child services tries decides to take Mooney away um you are conflicted yep and in a good way you know good way because they have good reasons and you've been judging her the whole time I, I was judging yeah. the, the motherhood the sure. whole time but also feeling the love too yeah you know and so you are rightfully worried that knowing that this is a bad thing for them right. knowing that Haley screwed up a number of times a hundred times and that's probably something she needs to become a better person better mother is she needs to know what consequences are she's a kid in that way she doesn't she doesn't feel consequences she never thought taking Mooney away was a real possibility yeah she's um, a she is a child yeah in many many ways and I think she is all impulse. She is all in. Yeah. You know? And she is uh, very, very, like, and never once does she, do we get the feeling like, oh, she would rather be, uh, you know, off without Mooney. Like, Mooney She's, is so essential would, to her. She would never, uh, get, there was a moment where Ashley and her are in the pool, and Ashley asked her about some guy, and she says, yeah, he didn't, uh, he's not into kids. Yeah. And it was not, it, it was not, it was a deal breaker, even for Haley. It was yeah. like, she, Mooney's my, yeah. my everything. There's no, the bond there, even though they never have like some cutesy, like, like kissy face moment. Yeah. You know that the bond there, uh, which is a tribute to both actors. Yeah. You know, they were amazing. Really, uh, really. Amazing. And non-actors, right? Is that right? They're non-actors. So Sean Baker had... Um, he had gotten the funding, he had gotten the script, he'd gotten everything together, and he had told everyone, like, look, if we don't find these people, mm -hmm. we're not going to go. And, like, slowly he started to, I think he got Mooney, that character, uh, that actress, through some casting director in Florida, mm -hmm. and he found Haley on Instagram. No kidding. Like, he, yeah, it was. I didn't recognize her at all. This, I don't think she's an actress. She is. The, neither of them have done anything. And Mooney is, I think, uh, Brooklyn. What is her last name? I'm checking it out right now. Mooney's name is uh, the actor is Brooklyn Prince. Right. And Haley is Bria Venati. Yeah. Never heard of her. And she was fantastic. Brooklyn were those, were, were is those like her real tats? I kept yes, thinking because yes. her tattoos are such a presence. She was absolutely amazing. I think. I think she. She was she sprang out of obscurity like that, and um, Mooney. It's like this is Tatum O'Neill in Paper Moon. This is like one of those performances. Real. This is Anna Paquin in um, the piano. Mm. This is, you know, that prodigious it child was actor. So who powerful in the end, when sh she shows up at Jancy's door and starts crying. Right. You're like, you've been, you've been, you've you thought that. Mooney was immune to being a child, to 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 crying. You yeah. know, you don't see it the whole film, and, and then she is. and she has to say goodbye to her friends, and 
she starts to cry and you're like she is a little girl it's amazing yeah just um, lovely lovely performances but he got them out of everyone you know i mean yeah. that's uh you know and that's that's i would say growth from tangerine because as good as tran tangerine was there were moments where you know you saw a few of those seams just here and there whereas yeah. here it's like you are absolutely in it those people are absolutely real they are living in that world mm -hmm. you would put your hand on a bible and swear it there were so many great things about this film that my up is going to end up yes. i'm going to pick <laughs> the visuals um that he chose to use to make this a because it was his first great cinematic outing he was doing a cinematic um uh trick when he did uh, when he did Tangerine, you know, shooting it on that that phone, but now he ha he started to shoot cinema. The imagery, um, little things like the helicopter that keeps coming in and out. Yeah, what was that? Uh, it was like, I mean, that's something that feels Floridian. It also is yeah. like this thing they all look at, and they like give it the middle finger at one point. Again, the economy, yeah, right? There's yeah. an economy around them yeah. that they're they're much hyper wealthier. aware of. Yes. Yeah, much and wealthier. And we don't know what that helicopter but in, in another way a helicopter is like uh a, some kind of bird or a dream that could could escape you yes. could escape you um i kept thinking about how purple uh their their uh the magic castle is right um and i kept thinking well th this is a shithole it shouldn't be so well kept except that's part of bob who bobby is he keeps that place in you know all together bobby's like the the magic man you know, everyone who lives at the Magic Castle, right, is in the same similar shitty situation that right. Haley and and Mooney are in. And he understands that he has to, like, have them stay once a month out of the hotel so that they can't be squatters. And he's playing it by the rules, but he's also helping them out. He's he, their, a father figure. He is he, a father figure. Yeah. The eyes and ears. He is, like, the guard dog. He is... He's everything. He helps them in that. W and you, you thought he was like by the rules kind of guy. And when it came to the point in the second half of the second act where Haley had actually ripped off a guy for a couple hundred dollars on the bracelets, um, Bobby comes to her defense and, and, and uses his ingenuity and says, well, I know why you had four bracelets because he probably had some hookers, yeah. you know, for the other bracelets that he's taken. The no, that was for his family. He had four bla bracelets because he came with his family and he decided to have a little something on the side. On the side, right, yeah. right. And so, but uh, 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 that's when Bobby, we realize that he's not just a guy who plays it by the rules. He is like a protector. Yeah. Uh, and that it, it's so well done. And for me, uh, it, when we get into structure, I, the midpoint kind of began. Uh, I think we agree the midpoint you were you were you were telling me where the midpoint starts it was when they the condos are on fire yeah i think when right. when mooney and and her friends set the condos on fire and they right. realize what they did was wrong right and uh for mooney who i think is our protagonist the stakes are finally raised and danger there's real danger in being found out in being well in that comes from their being unattended children we, we, they start to see, first of all, as all street kids do eventually, right. that they are on their own. Right. And that when they fuck around, sometimes there are consequences. Right. Um, 
But right before that, the pedophile shows up or the old weird guy. Yeah. And uh, and Bobby knows him exactly right away. He drops he's, that can of paint. Right. Gets down off his ladder. And he's he's nice to the guy. He's like, come with me. Oh, you want a soda? And he has yeah. that whole conversation with him. It's great. And he waits for him to get the soda. He opens the soda. And then he slaps it out of his hand. He's yeah. like, don't you ever come back here. Right. Because he knows that's the only way to deal with somebody like that. Yeah. So, yeah. great, great, great job by Willem Dafoe. One of my all-time favorite actors. Yeah. And he's there's just such kindness and dignity and compassion in this character yeah and um you know it's uh he's one of those he's a pillar here and kind of doesn't change at all you know he's that um mentor he's the mentor yeah and he's uh he's he's just an absolute um there's not, there's nothing bad about Bobby. <laughs> he wanted, like you know, I kept wondering how he would behave when the DCS comes or the, when the child services comes, but, and he stays out of it. He, he tries to help Mooney. Ha- because he knows where Haley is headed yeah. is no good place. Yeah. He knows this break needs to happen now. It, it's also hinted at that they found the security found the fact that there were like n- she had had nine clients go to her room and I'm wondering in your I th- I'm you're left wondering did he supply that I didn't wonder that at all you didn't wonder no 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 because earlier in the film you see him kicking out a woman who's doing this right uh. you remember he's there's a woman who's like, no, 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 I didn't do it. And he, he says, I saw it on the security camera. Right, You're out. Right. And we don't do that here. And so he, he kicks her out. So he knows what's going on with Haley. But did he call the, the DCS or did Ashley do it? Because I oh, always. Oh, it's f- Ashley. Ashley totally For called sure, it. sure. And so it was the complexity of Ashley called it in and he had the security tapes. So they yeah. both sort of ended up with it. But. Yeah, but he was saying, I think his tact was something different in the sense that his response to Haley's prostituting herself was, from now on, any guests of yours are going to leave an ID at the desk. That's right, yeah. From now on. He didn't didn't call the police and he didn't kick her out like he did the other other person. Because he's taken on this role of watchful father figure, right? So... So my down would be that looking at Tangerine, I see how economical a filmmaker Sean Baker could be. And I think the Florida project didn't need to be two hours. Yes. I think he could have tightened it. I think yeah. he could have done it. Did it did drag a bit, but you... He on, only in the second half towards and the third act, and he started to repeat some images again. And... Um, I don't felt Tangerine felt completely, completely bare bones and perfectly yeah, you, just what you need. You could need. not take out a frame. You know, right? exactly. You, you can't take, take out a frame. Yeah. I, I feel the same way about Moonlight. Moonlight was also something that was so perfectly economical that every image mattered, every scene mattered, and when it ended, you were like, oh my God, it ended right there. Um, so I think yeah, I. This dragged a bit, but it was also like. I don't know. I I kind of gave it that leeway because these are like the dog days of summer too. Yeah. You know, and summer drags. So that's a. I love so, that. I love you that you know, said that. It's like it's there's something in that atmosphere that was also kind of like 
the repetitiveness of these kids running around and wandering through these parking lots and, you know, looking for I, fun I, or trouble, I, whichever way. I, I wrote uh, down, I was thinking, I wish I would have seen this film in the summertime because I, I was loving being transported. And I was like, I wish I could just mesh my world right now it's super winter in new york city it's freezing out right. i wish i could have melded my world that much more into this summer that mooney was having right. um and i like that you said that it was slow because i wrote down that when they there were so many moments of play that mooney and her friends were doing play without toys play without entertainment play that's totally unsupervised because they have no money like when they start speaking and yelling into the fan and making the sounds yeah. and it, it, it just clicked for me it's like waiting for Godot it's it's idleness and boredom produces like great human moments and it reveals character yeah and it's and if you look at that's the accomplishment here is that you have really a string of moments that somehow amount to like a full-on narrative with tension and conflict and um, you know where you're being propelled towards something and I think that's but that's, that's the danger the though great accomplishment here. I agree it's just moments and you kind of you're watching it in a way because you're seeing people in a way that you don't usually see them and very up close and personal and then um it comes to this inevitable end yeah and you are like oh wow yeah this has the payoff of traditional narrative it has all the you know it has a lot of the fixings when yeah. you think about it i was so worried Haley wouldn't flip out because for a while she's pretty calm about it and i'm like that no. she she would not allow this to happen she's gonna take her kid and run or and something she has the zinger you know? at the end she's yeah. like you let my kid run off and i'm the unfit one you know like <laughs> she just like nails them it's true it was great it was yeah. great good for her yeah and um but but it's uh but it's mooney's film so she gets the final image and she and jancy she's made a friend like a lifelong friend and Jancy somehow steals her off to Disney World. Right. And Jancy also has her narrative arc because she leads for once, right? At Bravo. the end she Go leads. Go Jancy. And that ending. Okay, so somewhere in my memory is bicycle thieves, right? Wow. And that uh. ending where they kind of walk into a crowd is the bicycle thieves ending. That's Bicycle thieves. They the the boy walks into the crowd that's taking his father. No, I it's think the after father, the father. No, the father and he walk in together. Okay. And it's kind of like you don't again like this uncertain future. Like they uh, still don't have a bicycle. They right, still they have all aware. the economic okay, pressure. Right. It's like, after the bicycle has like been this, taken back. Yeah. They're walking off, and that freedom is kind of like, you know. Because at the end of the day, this movie, The Florida Project, Project, is an optimistic film. It is a hopeful film. It starts with celebration. That music, mm -hmm. it has it like over the credits, they got celebrate yeah. good times, over for like four or five minutes, right? And you're like, this is an optimistic film. And so at no point do you think it's gonna end as a bummer. And it ends uh, as all great screenplays to surprisingly inevitable. 
right? Yeah, it is inevitable, but at the same time, do you think that was an upending? Yeah, I think it was an upending. Just, just because because they were able to the the the, ki- the the child services is taking is taking Mooney, but they kept em- emphasizing it's temporary. It's temporary. We have a home for you. There's another family, and and I think Haley got the sense that she stepped one step over the line, and she wasn't gonna fuck. I get the sense that she's gonna get her back soon. But even more than that. They are victorious because she gets Haley gets the last word in with the the DCS even and and uh, Jancy and and Mooney get to run off to Disney World and that's an optimistic hopeful outlook. That that's a positive that says you know what shit's gonna go down continue to go down but these little girls and their mom um, you know they've got you know maps of the world on their faces you know like they are so wise even at their age even though they're naive in other ways they you know they're nothing they're going to escape the system they're going to they're going to the barrel through it they're going to make all the mistakes but they're going to push through that's my perception that's why i mean and and it ends with like good happy music and the disney world and and i don't feel like they were doing it ironically to say oh this is going to be so bad i felt like they were saying this is the spirit of these little girls and this young woman. So let's see. What else? You want to talk structure? Sure. We did genre. We did uh, uh, instant review. Let's just do the major beats. Set up um, inciting incident, break into two, midpoint. I think those are important in a film like this. Because yeah. I think, like we were saying, you're never ahead of him. It kind of sneaks up on you. It's kind of a meandering storyline, but it Absolutely. does hit its essential and, th- and, and this is where this is where you know young screenwriters or beginner screenwriters would be like, "Well, I don't want to do a traditional you know, Hollywood movie and say you know structure is not about a Hollywood studio film. It's about great storytelling and a film like this." because it's meandering right. and because it pl- it's plotting a little bit at times um, and it goes off on tangents here and there, it has to hit these beats well. Yeah. And it does. It does. It does. It really um, does. We get a great setup in uh, uh, Kissimmee, Florida, where uh, which is very Floridian, right? Um, with uh, Haley and Mooney and Mooney. Actually, we open with Mooney and her friends, right? That's we our open opening with image. The community, mm-hmm. Right? Well, the opening image, yeah. It's Mooney and Scooty. 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 Some Scooby. Scooby. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that kid's Her name is. Her partner in crime, yeah. The right. kid with the great idea to put the pillow in the fireplace. I, I, in the fireplace. Yeah. I kept thinking, okay. No, that was Mooney's idea, wasn't it? No, like no, he got the like, pillow. Though. Oh yeah, he got the he pillow. He got the pillow because I kept like, thinking, I I, you know, Mooney was like, "Yo, we have a fireplace. Bring, bring, bring the the lighter." And I was like, "Thank God, there's got to be no like, there's got to be no uh, wood in that fireplace. This is not going to work." Right. Then they cut to there's a pillow they're burning in there. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I think um, leave it to kids. The the setup is this community, right? Yeah. Because there is a community in the, this like motel this like downtrodden trodden like ramshackle motel um, it's like yeah like the, like the chelsea hotel it's, or uh, yeah. the million dollar hotel yeah like when these kids get into trouble for spitting on this car you know the woman jancy's grandmom who she's living with makes them clean it up and she and 
Haley become friendly. That's right. Oh, but, they, but they, at first it's there's conflict, and I and it, I, it made me think immediately how how uh, great Sean Baker is at relationships right off because right in Tangerine. Um, the main character is basically like kidnapped this other prostitute and is like beating her along the way. Yeah. And slowly, at one point, they they hang out in a bathroom and she cleans up the girl, yeah. and and they become friendly. And, right. and and they did the same thing in that sense. Yes. Right? these two moms are at yeah, odds. Your, your kids spit on yeah. my and car. they somehow bond. And there is this community at the bottom of the social uh, socioeconomic ladder. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's the. You got a cigarette that he, you got, you got yeah, a cigarette that he affords them. He's like, you know, the whole setup is that there is this world where people are interdependent and inter their lives are intertwined and mm. their kids play together and they live in this place. It's very communal. I like the, the that you mentioned that the kids play together because in more, you know, like tribal communities, the, the parents look after other people's kids and the kids are grouped together and it's, it's it feels more like a, a, co a commune or a tribe right 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 um, and our inciting incident what do you have there david um i have when their friend dickie can't come out to play uh she goes uh mooney goes to find jancy to play and then they go on this tour together and basically I had Mooney is showing Jancy the town. She shows her the Orange World, the Wizard gift shop, the twisty treat, and uh, they walk around the Magic Castle, uh, and then the kids go on a waffle run. Like that's the the first set of like trials in this new world. That's uh, what I had. What do you think? I disagree with you. Oh, okay. What, what do you we, got? We finally disagree about something. Sure. So my inciting incident is that when we realize like Haley is receiving some kind of social service right what she's moment in the was office. that she's in the office with some official uh -huh. government official yeah. and she's saying just give me the bus passes the okay? bus passes and i am looking for work and blah 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 so the wheels if have started that's the wheels if ha that's if haley's the protagonist i don't think haley's our protagonist you're but right I feel, you're right i feel like that plot, Haley, that, Haley's plot about I need money, I need money, is important. I feel like they are dual protagonists. Can I say that? I, you know, I, I hate to say that, um, but it but is. I, in, if it's an ensemble film, it can be. You can ha you won't have dual. You'll have multiple. You could even say that. Um, you can even say that. Uh, uh, Bobby is his own protagonist, right? So that everybody has their own three act structure, but. You're right. The the in a sense that if you're tracking the plot of we need money yeah. all the time, which is Haley's main plot, or this the the system, the threat of the system kind of swooping in and either arresting them or pulling them apart or doing something. That is another like I think that is a thread that kind of um, you know becomes stronger and stronger as the narrative progresses, and so that's what I had. But that, that's Mooney is too big a presence for her not to be the main character. But you're right. There is a lot. We have her point of view a lot of yeah, times. But there's is a lot. she the main character? Is she being? Is she actively like doing stuff? Is she going after? It goals? could be the two of them together. And anyway, so 
So yeah, no, I mean it's a good point, but it it it, it makes sense if we're looking for the what's what. Do you, so then the break in the two is what for you? The break in the two is when the kids turn off the power. That's that's when we kind of are confronted with the the fact that they are totally unsupervised and they can get into trouble. I mean, for me, the, all the adventures begin when they when they take uh, Jancy on the tour, and then eventually uh, the Brazilian couple shows up, uh, the church car shows up, and they have the, the food, they get food. Um, um, then <laughs> they have the tete-a-tete with Bobby about the drip test with the two ice creams, right? right? I mean, to me, this is like a series of trials for Mooney. And Mooney is like a superhero. She can best all of these things. And they do the ice cream thing where they're both looking at in the lobby and they're not allowed to, if he says, he's previously, and this is great screenwriting because you don't know what, what the gambit is because Bobby's watching them tight and they're both, they're both taunting him while they lick it. And then one drop falls and he's like, that's it, you're out. So clearly, like the the you know, it, you know screenwriting is a, so much about what has happened before a scene, yeah. right? Where they, they clearly they had some kind of he said you can't eat that in here because you're gonna drip. Why? Because you're gonna drip. And she's like, what if we don't drip? And then they start doing it. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's well done. But the, to me, those are the, tr- the 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 fun and games of the first the beginning of Act Two. What do um, you think the B story is? Um, I had the B story uh, being Bobby, the relationship with Bobby. Um, when the power goes out, to me, that was the A and the B story sort of colliding. Um, I had Haley and Ashley. Haley and Ashley. How's it? But th- I thought that isn't that the A story? I think that that B story comes in. It's like What's a your constant a story? thread. The A story is um, Haley and Mooney and their life in this place. Yeah. Right? And so... And that B story comes in... Their relationship? That relationship that she has with Ashley, which at first is Oh, the relationship with Ashley. Yeah. Okay. Which is at first a, you know, again, an interdependent... Um, mutually uh, beneficial relationship until Ashley wants out, right? And that kind of sets you know, things in motion I, for, for the... I, th- I think our disagreement is actually really... I think it's showing that um, their Mooney has her own plot and Haley has her own plot and they both have little B stories because Mooney's B story is absolutely the relationship with Bobby, Right? And that he becomes this mentor and this this like play uh, character, uh, yeah. this play playmate. And then you're right, Haley has Ashley as her friend right. in the B story, and that relationship's important. But Ashley never like directly impacts, is d- directly playing with Mooney, and so we are making but, a case for Bobby, a dual protagonist. Well, uh, multi-plot film. I'll say that dual is saying that you you, you can. Sp- that there's a single A plot and there are two protagonists. If you're saying there's multiple plots in the film, you each can have its own protagonist. Like you think they're parallel protagonists yeah, is yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it's not a single plot. Like they have, like Mooney has her her A plot and Haley has her A plot and Bobby has his A plot. Okay. Um, 
But okay, so this is you know where structure is gonna get it a little. Yeah, but it's satisfying. Itchy. It's actually like we're both saying it adds up. Like in both it's of these, like the very beats are so equations. there. For all of these characters, the beats are happening at the right time, and they're escalating, and they're doing everything. It's just you know this is such a great ensemble, and we're finding you know and that. Right. You have no trouble tracking the story at all. So, right. um, the, you know, doing structure is is helpful for as an exercise. But right, um, midpoint. The condo's on fire. Yeah, I mean, I agree. We, we agree. Yeah. yeah, I think I. Uh, you know, I was thinking maybe the the when the pedophile showed up, because that was the first sense that there's actually real danger. Um, but y I think the 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 condos on fire is so much a bigger uh, and it sets things concept. off in a different direction it integrates right? it everybody's stories yeah it, it breaks this friendship between ashley and Haley because ashley says i don't want scooty hanging out with mooney anymore and it also like creates more tension in the sense that ashley becomes a bit of um an antagonist Absolutely. Right. Uh, 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 friends, friends become enemies. Yeah. Enemies become friends. Right. Right. Um, by the end, uh, you know, uh, Jancy's mom is a friend. Um, so then where's your low point? Your all is lost. My all is lost. For me, the all is lost is all of these plots have a, a bunch of all is lost. A great all is lost moment brings all your plots together and have your, your low point for all of them you know, in succession. It may not be one scene, but a couple, like two or three scenes all together where the low point of the film for all the plots and all the main characters happens together. Um, I could go with that. Or I could also say that it's this moment when um, they've gone into Ashley's diner and they've ordered all this food and they've made yeah. her pack it for them and they're walking out and uh, Haley drops the food and kicks it and you realize that friendship is dead. That Absolutely. friendship is gone. Yeah. And that's that's the all is lost. Yeah, that's what I had. I, I have um, Haley confronts Ashley. They have nothing to discuss. Um, and then so Haley charges the friendship, even makes it even worse. Right. Um, and uh, with the, by, by uh, uh, humiliating her with all the, you know, you know serve me kind of shit. Right. Um, and then she throws the food away in, anyway. Um, at the same moment, a scene right before that, there's a big physical fight in the parking lot. And Haley gets out her phone because she wants to put it on Worldstar. Yeah. And then at, right after that, Mooney has this fight with his son. This I think it was his son where he's like, tell her I didn't wish her anything, you know. And so that's a low, uh, you know, so... Not Mooney. Bobby has, Bobby has the fight with his son. Right. Um, Bobby has a low point. Uh, Haley has a low point. Um, and Mooney and Jancy get caught in the rain. There's that beautiful moment where they go so far that they don't get back in time, and they're they're caught in the rain. And that's as much danger as she ever really gets in. There's no actual alligator out there, but she's a child and she's wet and she's cold and she's a little lost and that for for mooney who's a superhero is a low point um also after that right after that the uh bobby forces them to move apartments and he puts down the uh the uh 
the gauntlet and he says we need to settle up by friday so that money needs to be here by friday right i mean and that's the whole the unre- that dark night of the soul is also you know when the perfume business is is uh, busted by the cops yep, yep. um bobby kicks her out she resorts to prostitution because and then you know they're selling those bands it's kind of all unraveling it's kind of all like she had her head above water up to this point and now i think it's just it's all downhill from here yeah um our third act how how, how would you sum it up i mean the the ending is is the conflict with the dcs the you know uh right and it's but before that, I think the third act is just sort of all these ramifications coming together. Um, and, you know, she beats the crap out of Ashley. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's third is act. The, you know, real like culmination of all this stuff that's been going on in their lives. We've seen several. In addition, we've seen several great shots of Mooney playing dolls in the in the uh, in the bathtub and for for for, we've seen two or three times that and you're wondering why are those images as part of the film and then it's revealed that those were the moments that uh haley was uh is entertaining johns in the in the room great filmmaking you know because had, had the film not been such a visual thing with all these great images throughout we would have known that those that those shots of Mooney taking a bath and playing dolls was 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 something, but I didn't know. I didn't know that that's what Haley had resorted to. Right. Um, right. And yeah, the f- the final fight and a great uh, third act is Bobby talking to the pelicans, like the birds. The I don't cranes. know if they're, they're yeah, cranes they're or cranes. cranes. Okay. Yeah, I think they're uh, cranes. That was such a Floridian thing that he's like talking to him and he's like. It's like, hey, hey guys, you know, no, you har- go. no harm, no foul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, that place keeps coming in. Like, he never lets go of that place as a character. You know, the last shot is that place as a character. Mm. And that all of these things exist together. You know, that place and the shadow it casts over these people and this kind of outsize economy um, that looms over this smaller tenuous economy and it's it's just like all comes together in that last little bit I agree yeah do you want to sum up any is there anything you would have changed in the end or any last last comments anything about the movie you, you know, want to say I think this is um, this is uh, really you know one of those films that I don't know that I want to watch again to be very honest, but it absolutely says something about this moment that we're living in and about these people. And I think, um, you know, gives them a voice in this neorealistic way, like bicycle thieves or, you know, the, the great tradition of, of neorealism. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it's an important film. I, I think it, it, when I came out, I had to think a lot about it and I had to you know, and I think maybe that failing is that maybe I would never watch it again. But, you know, I feel the same way about great documentaries. You feel enlightened now. You've been to a place, you know, a people that you don't know before. Right. Um, it, as opposed to something, uh, uh, a film that's more escapist 
that's like a fantasy world that oh let me visit it again what was it about what was lord of the rings about again let me watch it again yeah. so i i would i i think it's not a failing of the film i think it's also i just i mean i think it's beautifully done um i think my Absolutely. my um I, I forgot to say my up at the beginning I oh think. okay um you didn't hold me to it but my up is and this is the thing i want to bring up now is the amazing writing of the relationships in this film is so what being a dramatist is about whether you're a playwright or a screenwriter or you write graphic novels or you write novels or you know prose novels writing great relationships is how you know everyone s says oh i want to write great characters great characters are only revealed through the relationships through relationships that have pressure on them and things like that and um that is our filmmakers like greatest gift and you see that in tangerine and you see it in the florida project and he never once um uh used a uh, a, a cheap mechanism for this little girl character he never uh pandered to our us as an audience ever yeah. we 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 were amazed by this little girl. We were surprised by her mother. But it was like anthropology. Absolutely, it and, was we, and not we cared about them, uh, despite their you flaws. You never saw the Deus Ex Machina. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, and 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 the, the child services coming. If if I told you the logline in this movie, and then I told you at the end the child services come for the kid, you were like, of course that's what happened. But you don't see that coming in this execution of this story. So it was beautifully done and cinematically and. Um, the purple uh, optimism and even the, the one sheet being blue and purple I just to me it's there's such a great optimism in this film I'm sure there are people who will not uh, agree with you about the ending or you mm. know about whether that ending works I think that is the one thing that you kind of <laughs> you know what about you're you? left with you don't think it's an optimistic ending I, I would not call it optimistic I would say it's like a collision of it continues the collision of the climax you know what i mean it's like a continuation of that because your heart is still in your throat like they're if they've escaped for the moment right to the magic kingdom does is that uplifting to me to me it's it's what they've always done it's what mooney has always done she Who's does escaped? she does not she does no she does not escape the uh, the the obstacles of their life, but she fights on. She does not have to give in and say goodbye to her friend. Well she said. has one last yeah. attack, a l one last fight, yeah. a, a runaway to Disney World moment. And she's not going to make it easy for anybody. Yeah, she's not going to make it easy. No, for No, she's such a fighter. Come, she's yeah. a survivor, and that's yeah. what I loved about this film. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, I want to thank uh, Alka. Thank you. I want to thank Adorama. I want to thank Seth Miranda. Uh, I want to. The script is produced by David Negrin, edited by Zoe Alexander. Reminder: If you like the script podcast, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and subscribe to the Script YouTube channel. Join our Facebook page by searching for NYC Screenwriters Collective. Follow us on Twitter at ScriptFeed. You can support the Script Podcast at Patreon.com/slash/TheScript. And Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, David. Enjoy your turkey. Thank you. Gobble. <laughs>